Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The Greek playwright Aristophanes had been drinking with philosopher Plato at a banquet when he delivered a speech. Originally meant to be a kind of satire on the creation myths of the time, Aristophanes proposed that there was a reason for love's existence in the world. He told Plato and the gathering crowd that men and women had originally started out as one being, two heads, four arms, and four legs, performing cartwheels to get from place to place. And these beings were fast and strong, too strong for the gods, in fact, who didn't want to be usurped as the most powerful entities in the universe. To remind them of their place, Zeus cleaved each pair in half. Since then, humans have walked this earth longing for their missing halves and are drawn together by love. While he may have meant the story to be an absurd comedic exercise, there's something beautiful about the sentiment. Two people searching their whole lives for that perfect soulmate to make them whole again. Perhaps Martin Van Buren Bates and his wife Anna Haining Swan were two halves of a whole. Born in Nova Scotia in 1846, Anna grew up among 11 other brothers and sisters, while Martin was raised down in Kentucky. He worked as a schoolteacher before the Civil War began. When it did, he signed up to fight in 1861, joining the 5th Kentucky Infantry as a private in the Confederate Army. Martin turned out to be a fierce fighter, and he often intimidated the Union soldiers on the other side. It didn't take long for him to rise up through the ranks to become captain. After the war, Martin found himself a few job prospects back home, but a traveling circus offered him the chance to earn a living and see more of what North America had to offer. The tour took him all over, including across the border into Canada. It was at a stop in Halifax where he met Anna, who was immediately taken with Martin. She was brilliant, a prodigy piano player, as well as a talented singer and actor who had once portrayed Lady Macbeth. She, too, joined the circus and struck up a relationship with Martin. Shortly after that, they were married. Despite their nomadic lifestyle, Anna and Martin wanted a place for themselves to settle down, a home to go to when they weren't on tour or when they needed a rest. The newlyweds had a house built on 130 acres of farmland in Ohio that they purchased with their circus earnings. Its ceilings were 14 feet high. The doors were built to be 8 feet tall and wider than usual. And they had all their furniture custom-made, too. Because it had to be, in order to accommodate their imposing frames. Martin Bates, you see, was 7.5 feet tall, while his wife Anna stood an impressive 7 feet 11 inches. Martin had grown quite tall when he was six years old. By the time he was 12, he was over six feet and weighed more than 200 pounds. 
Anna had begun growing very early on in her life as well. At four years old, she was already over four feet tall. Two years later, she'd grown another foot and a half. And they'd both been hired by the circus as an attraction. And they were successful, too, drawing enormous crowds to gawk at their severe statures. She and Martin had two children together. The first, a girl born in May of 1872, died during birth. That baby had weighed over 18 pounds. The second child, a boy this time, was born seven years later. He measured almost 30 inches long and weighed in at 23 pounds, 9 ounces. Sadly, he lived only 11 hours before passing away. But in his short life, the child had earned the Guinness World Record for largest newborn in history. Anna toured with the circus for a few more years alongside her husband before settling down on the farm. It's not clear if Anna had some kind of underlying condition, or if perhaps the loss of two children had done untold damage to her heart. But she died in her sleep in the summer of 1888, one day before her 42nd birthday. Her husband had a statue of her installed at her gravesite before selling their house and moving into town. He wouldn't find love again for another 10 years, when he would remarry, this time to an average-sized woman. Martin died in 1919 at the age of 81. He never had any children, but he'd lived a long, fulfilling life, much of it spent with his perfect mate, Anna. When they were together, they were two halves reunited to become whole, showing the world that love truly does come in all shapes and sizes. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek 
and other convicted murderers. Started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They could go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. People can be pretty skeptical when it comes to tales of the supernatural. Our first inclination is disbelief, to chalk up the stories to wild imagination or a cry for attention. Ghosts aren't real, we say. That clunking sound in the middle of the night, it's just the pipes, or the creaking floor, or maybe the house is just settling. But what happens when a ghost story is more than just a story? What happens when the police and the media both believe that what is terrorizing one family is more than just a frightening tale because they've seen or at least heard it for themselves? The Palathon family lived on the second floor of an apartment in Spain. On September 27th of 1934, they began hearing bizarre sounds coming from their kitchen. Actually, let me clarify that. From within the stove in their kitchen. A voice spoke from within it, and there was laughter too, and sometimes screaming coming from everywhere and nowhere at once. At first, it was believed by both the family and the neighbors that the voice was coming from someone else on the block. The chimney where the stove smoke was let out connected to other homes. It was entirely possible that a man's voice was carrying from another unit through the pipes and into the stove in the Palathon family. But if that were true, then the neighbors would also have been experiencing the same thing, and yet only they had a voice coming out of their stove. Those who stopped by to listen verified their claims. They too heard someone talking or laughing or yelling from inside the stove. And that's when the rumors started to spread. The Palathons were haunted. The rumors quickly turned into belief in a terrifying supernatural entity known as a duende. Duende is a Spanish term for a possessor of a house. In 18th century paintings, the creature is depicted as a goblin or imp with sharp teeth and long claw-like fingers. As the story spread, crowds from within the town and beyond gathered outside to listen in and try to hear the Duende speaking. All the while, the Palathon family did their best to carry on with normal life, while the creature made sure that could never happen. It would ask questions and even answer them when asked. It would call out the name of the Palathon's maid and then cackle, its howling laughter ringing out from deep within the stove. Eventually, the disruptions became too great, and the family reached out to the authorities for help in flushing out the mischievous little demon. The police chief himself attended to the matter, arriving at their doorstep in mid-November of 1934. Upon entering the home, he immediately started questioning the voice. Where are you? he asked. Why are you doing this? The duende answered, No. The chief asked more questions, wondering if the person on the other end needed a job or money. Again, it simply replied, No. Then he asked one final question. Then who are you? What is it that you want? The voice responded from the stove, saying, Nothing. 
I am not a man. The local police helped the family find other living arrangements while they investigated the cause of the disturbance. But tales of a demonic voice forcing a family out of their home had rattled the community. A panic spread throughout the town, and the story eventually wound its way to the United Kingdom, where the London Times started reporting on it. A Spanish radio station even asked to interview the voice for one of its talk shows. The investigation carried on for weeks, with the police at a loss as to the reason for the voice's persistence. Architects and contractors were asked to inspect the home, but found nothing. The police, fed up with getting nowhere in their hunt, brought in every organization and person they could think of. They asked the army to cut off the home's access to electricity and phones. Officers guarded all entrances around the clock. Priests spiritually sanitized the apartment with holy water and prayers. And it seemed that the duende, or the person behind it, had finally been forced out. The voice had gone silent. The Palathons soon moved back in, and during their first night there, nothing happened. They all had a restful night's sleep, something they hadn't experienced in almost two months. The following morning, though, a voice bellowed from the chimney. Cowards, it called them. Cowards, here I am. For the Palathon family, that was the last straw. They packed up and left their apartment forever that day. The police chief, under orders from the governor, brought the family in for questioning. He even had them speak with a psychiatrist to see if perhaps the situation had all just been in their heads. It hadn't, but it also hadn't been a real duende. The voice, as declared by the governor later, had been the work of their maid. She hadn't done it to deceive them or to run them out of their home, though. It seems that she suffered from something called unconscious ventriloquism. She'd been able to throw her voice and didn't even know it. The voice was never heard from again after the governor's announcement. Forty years later, the block was demolished and a new structure was built in its place. And this new building's name? Edificio Duende. The Goblin Building. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.